Hi, I'm Connie, and this is From Chaos to Peace with Connie, episode number 68, Less Stress in Life with Deb Timmerman. Welcome back, everyone. How are you doing? This is episode number 68 from the Chaos to Peace podcast, where you learn how a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away. (laughs) And today, how a few minutes a day keeps the stress away. (laughs) Thank you so much for allowing me back into your ears. Please, please, please subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode and share it with your family and friends, because if you find value in it, they will too. And if you love my podcast, you can help me by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. This will help that more people find this podcast and can move from chaos to peace in their life and business. And if you don't know how to write a review, I have step-by-step instructions in the show notes and on my website. Today, I welcome Deb Timmerman to the podcast, and Deb is a registered nurse and specializes in tools and strategies for rapid stress relief, navigating change, preventing childhood trauma, and thriving after childhood trauma. She's also Chief Resilience Officer for Deb Timmerman and Associates LLC, a company helping people prepare for, recover from, and adapt in the face of stress, challenge, or adversity. She has a long list of certificates and diplomas that I'm not going to rattle down here, but I'm very excited to talk with her. As I had said on this podcast before, clutter creates stress and stress creates a lot of problems in our body and in our life. So I look really forward to share this awesome conversation with you. We talk about the difference between good stress and bad stress and how to recognize when we move over that threshold how our body reacts to stress, how managing stress is an inside job, that we can't wait for somebody else to fix it for us, how we can use our reactions and feelings as information and feedback, how we can manage our energy instead of managing the stress, and so much more. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Deb Timmerman. Welcome, Deb. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. How are you today? I am wonderful. Thanks for asking me. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. So tell me and the listeners a little bit, who is Deb and what was her journey that she ended up on my podcast? (laughs) Oh, my. Okay. So I'll give you the uh, abridged version, right? Quick. So I'm a nurse by training, second career for me. Um, I started college when I was 43, the same time that my oldest son started college. So I was a non-traditional student and I'd always wanted to be a nurse, but I never had the belief that I could do the math. So it kind of kept me out of that realm. And I decided to take a chance. And what I found was that it was, um, it was really my calling. I loved the whole idea of health and wellness and living life from not just a medical model perspective, but it was right at the time when mind, body and spirit, kind of that whole person kind of, um, thought process was getting started. So I kind of entered, uh, nursing then. 
And um, because I had a second, it was a second career, I ended up being a nurse manager very, very early in my career. And I ran nursing homes and was a case manager. And what you do is basically you're managing lots of crazy things, keeping the plates all spinning at one time, and particularly with staff. So my first um, entrance into the world of stress management actually was because I was teaching the nurses how to manage their stress. So fast forward a little bit. No one told me I had to manage mine. <laughs> and um, a couple years after that, I fell down a flight of stairs uh, on my summer vacation and really got injured. So I had a head injury. I hurt my shoulder, had a pelvic, um, a pelvis crack. And a couple of months after I fell, I still couldn't count back change for a $20 bill at our ice cream social. And it scared me to death because I thought, okay, mm -hmm. I went into this field with the thought of this being a career. What if I'm disabled? What if I become disabled? So I started to look at different ways to help myself heal. And in the course of that was really um, made aware that I never was connected to my own body. So I never knew when I was stressed. So I happened mm -hmm. to, I ended up on a massage table with someone who did energy work. And after 30 minutes, I'm starting to ask her, how did you learn to do this? And because I could feel myself unwinding for the first time. And mm -hmm. I had just kind of like shut myself up because if I didn't feel anything, I didn't have to deal with anything. So I was yeah. that, that uh, nurse who said, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> so as I, nurses need continuing ed credits every two years. And it was so fascinating as I started to learn more about myself and my body and its connection to long-term health. It, that was how I became a specialist in this and just took more and more education. Um, mm -hmm. And, and really it was from the standpoint of wanting to share this knowledge with people that they had this opportunity to intervene with their own health and make a difference uh, rather than just go grab a pill and hope that it worked. Yeah. Which, which would only kind of like be a bandaid on a, on a festering wound. No. Yeah. Bandaid. So. Yeah, so I could go in about 10 different directions. <laughs> what, what you just like, just the fact that you started uh, your nursing career at 43, when you finally overcame your limiting beliefs. I love that. So we could do one alone about that. But I we want to really talk about stress, because I feel like this is another kind of a pandemic we're having. No, more and more people are stressed. We're, we're talking about it for years already, how people are more and more stressed. But what does it actually really mean? So I, I would assume there's some kind of a scale of stress. And to some degree, we need the stimulation of stress, but then it becomes bad for the body, bad for your mind, unhealthy. So how do, how do we differentiate between good, good stress and not so good stress? Well, if we were doing um, a visual, I would show a slide uh, that looks at the stress performance and burnout scale. Mm -hmm. So whenever we take on a new project, we always get that little boost of adrenaline that 
that little boost that makes us want to go out and do a good job and really love it. And then there's a length of time where we're kind of in our sweet spot. It's all good. We can balance everything. And then it feels as if our batteries sort of start to uh, drain a little bit and we might become super sensitive with people that are working on the project with us. They start to irritate us and get under our skin. And if we don't do anything about it, typically we crash and burn. And it's interesting because I had followed that cycle in my jobs multiple times, Mm -hmm. not once, not twice, not three times, but that was my pattern. Mm -hmm. So stress is whatever we can balance based on what kind of demands we have in our life at any given time and what our ability to cope is and how much energy we have. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of this fluid thing that changes. And yes, We always need a little stress in our life, but there is that point when it becomes too much. And the, the skill is figuring out what your sweet spot is, how much is enough to give you the juice to want to move forward. And when is it too much? And it's different for absolutely everybody. And it can even vary in seasons of life. And sometimes it's down to the day. Um, have you ever had a day where 50 things go wrong and you like go, if the 51st thing happens, you're going to go off your rocker. So it just depends on how much energy and what our reserves are. And some people have a fair amount of reserves or what we would call today resilience. Mm -hmm. Other people don't have so much. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're triggered more. Yeah. So two questions come to mind here. A, why don't we learn, or what is your opinion? Why don't we learn to actually notice in our body when we're stressed and not going into these loops and and, and into these burnout loops, like you just said? Like, is it, or what is the reason why we don't learn this? Like, you would think, just coming as a (laughs) naive person and saying like, well, we should notice when we're stressed. No, why Why are we numbing ourselves? So there's a million different ways to answer this question because (laughs) it's a very complex, but I would, I would say that the core of it is that changes happen more rapidly than we can keep up with. Mm -hmm. So there's so much change coming at us and we're taught, we get these messages from the media, from our friends, from our family, about how we should feel, a lot of times we don't process what we really feel ourselves. And then there's this conflict between what we hear and what we feel internally. And it's easier to just shut it down and not feel it than it is to unpack that and have to have have maybe some difficult conversations around what you need versus what someone else wants for you. Mm -hmm. But I would think it's only temporarily easier to shut that down because like you said, then you end up in this burnout cycle and eventually this whole thing will probably erupt out of you. Um, Well, it does erupt in some way. And that's typically either in a physical problem, like, or mm -hmm. dis-ease. A lot of uh, illnesses are stress related. Mm -hmm. So we have very high inflammatory markers in our body when we're under stress and that's Mm -hmm. how our body breaks down. So that's one key. Other 
the other is that it becomes so emotionally overwhelming that we end up with emotional issues. We can't regulate our emotions, or maybe we get so far that we're so angry and have so much rage inside of us that we punch someone or so it does show up. And I think it's the core of why some of our mental health issues are now coming to the surface because we haven't been talking about it. It's interesting. You say like, we've known about this for a long time. There was a study um, and a something published in time magazine about stress being a public health epidemic in 1983. Yeah. 83. So that's years. Yeah. I think one of the reasons um, is also, and I don't remember his name now, but there's a guy who had a TED talk and he talked about how if you break your arm, you would go to the doctor and you would get it looked at and and all that. But if we having mental stress or if we having a problem with our mind, there's still a lot of stigma around it and we're not going to get help because that sounds like we're weak and can't can't handle our life or whatever but nobody would assume they could handle a broken arm on their own but we're thinking we can handle a broken uh, brain or a bro yeah issue mental issues on our own that might well and i think along with that sometimes we're waiting for someone else to fix us and it is an inside job you have to do you have to be an active participant Mm -hmm. in managing and mastering stress Mm -hmm. It's not going to be something that someone gives you a tablet and it's going to be fixed. You have to be in tune with your body. You have to do some things to moderate your stressors mm-hmm. or uh, recharge your battery or learn how to shift your um, nervous system into a more neutral state. So it's not turned on all the time. So there's lots of factors mm-hmm. and we sometimes look for the easy fix. Yeah. Um, and, and there is no easy fix. We have to yeah. learn how to manage our emotions and yeah. learn how to process. And I, I think that's a big problem. Like I see that often here when I help people with clutter and not being organized and, and all that, they all want to have this magic pill, the, 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 I'm waving a wand and everything is fine instead of dealing with emotions. And I mean, clutter has a lot to do with emotions. Clutter also creates stress on top of it they have lots of studies about this too and um but everybody just wants a quick fix so i'm really sometimes wondering where this is coming from but so um you said like the body and i feel like in a lot of things the body is really our gps or our guide so um how can we learn to listen more to our body and, and I'm just saying, like, I was one of these people when I was younger, I wouldn't hear it, I would just be numb inside, outside, I would function, <laughs> and then I would collapse and luckily never got into a burnout. But I know that um, it's, um, it's, I don't know whether it's even female, because we're so used to be pleasers and, and doers and take, take, we take care of everybody. But how can we start like if somebody is still at the very beginning, how can that person start feeling their body more? What would you suggest? Well, I always think about stress as information. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we get feedback and if it's the right amount of stress for us, we can manage when it becomes too much. That's feedback that we need to take a deeper look. How is it showing up in our body? Is it in tension? Is it because we can't sleep? Is it our guts are in knots or are we having GI issues? So all of that 
is a downhill or, or a sequelae to that, to the stress mm-hmm. that we're not acknowledging. Mm-hmm. So just seeing stress as information is mm-hmm. super important. Mm-hmm. And then the second piece would be now do something with that information. Yeah. If I know that my shoulders are tense because I'm too stressed, what's the why behind it? Why am I feeling that way? Is it an emotion? Is it too much on my plate? Then you have to start unpacking that a little bit and asking those questions. And that's sometimes um, it's hard to do that, especially if you've stuffed it down for a lot of years. Yeah. And um, it, yeah, it's, it can be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like that you use that as information and then you will kind of, <laughs> instead of follow the money, how we sometimes say in finance, <laughs> we say follow the signs. No. So yeah. 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 It's like follow the feeling. So emotions are, are another form of feedback. And um, sometimes we don't sit with that long enough because it's uncomfortable. So we get mad, but we don't ask ourselves. So why did I get so triggered about that particular thing? So you maybe see this when you're working with your clients with clutter, there's an emotional attachment to a particular piece of clothing or something. And what's, you know, sometimes it's just asking those questions. So how did that feel? And when did that start? And That's exactly what I'm doing. This is what actually uh, differentiates me from the professional organizer who usually just helps you organize your stuff. Um, I'm actually the one who goes deeper. And there is um, always a lot of um, emotions and grief and stress related to it. Um, totally. And that's this is also why I sometimes say like if clutter creates stress and if you find a way to reduce your clutter, you will automatically reduce your stress, not just because you have less stuff around, but also because you go inward and you're actually asking yourself similar questions like you said to ask. That's exactly um, kind of what I'm doing too. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it as training yourself to have a new stress lens. Mm -hmm. So you have on a pair of glasses that are smeared and smudgy and you can't see clearly. Mm -hmm. And when you start to ask those questions and understand the why behind it, it provides a lot of clarity Mm -hmm. and cleans up that. So you can see that information or that feedback for what it is information. I, I love that. Yeah, I love that. So the, the glasses are getting clean. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And it, what's interesting about those glasses is we don't understand as adults that those the glasses that we use to filter the information that comes in actually begin begin uh, forming when we're very young in our environment with and the feedback from that environment. And that's the... Um, key to how our brain begins to wire. Mm -hmm. And we don't really often do a look back on our life of the why do I, why am I so stressed by that? Mm -hmm. For me, I grew up in a very crazy household, lots of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand that that was a piece of forming and shaping the pair of glasses that I wore. So when I learned about that, I could say, oh, that's why I do that. And then I could look at it differently because I had a different perception of the information that was coming in that was extremely helpful. 
Yeah, that's what, that would have just been one of my next questions, like whether the upbringing and and what with your parents or how how your parents or your caretakers were handling with stress, whether that has an influence. And I just know, like from clutter, um, it's not automatic that when your parents uh, work dealing with a lot of clutter that you have it could go several ways one way is you become a clutter bug too the other way is you become almost OCD because you you don't want to do this and then some people manage to be in between so I was thinking it might be similar with stress that you pick it up because we're so receptive as children also and we're imitating often what the caregiver or the like the the parent the parent figure um shows us how they like they can say whatever they want but it's actually what we're picking up is how they're acting now so yeah have you ever heard of the adverse childhood experience study mm, at all sure. or heard of aces aces adverse childhood experiences so there was a study done in the late 90s by uh two researchers and they proved that our early environment does a lot with the way it shapes our brain and depending on when certain thing happened in your, um, in your early life, that it can actually be related to illness later in life, mm -hmm. social economic, uh, performance, mm -hmm. actually even cause early death depending on the load. Oh, wow. So, um, that has to do with household dysfunction, abuse and neglect, but in that dysfunction, it, there are things like a parent met being mentally ill, someone who was a substance abuser, mm -hmm. uh, incarceration, household violence, those kinds of things. Yeah. And not every kid sees that, but many do. Yeah. And it's, they found that it's very, very common. So to tie that back to your question, not only does it affect your brain wiring, but it can affect the way you're your genes express themselves. Mm -hmm. And depending on when that happened, when those adverse childhood experiences happened, it can actually um, change that genetic expression even into future generations. Yeah. Wow. So that's, it's a big chunk of science that's out there about, about um, how all those early life stressors do impact um the developing brain and that whole, the whole lifespan. Yeah, I can totally see that. And that's probably also where, where we learn then how to numb, because that's the only way how we may be able to deal with it all growing up, um, or we don't know how else to deal with it. So we just numb it. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's uh, scary in a way, no? How and and how how we get thrown into one direction, and then we have to kind of undo that when we're when we're older. Yeah. But but here's the the happy part about it is our brain is plastic; mm -hmm. it can change. Yeah. We don't have to stay in that. Exactly. Sometimes it's just enough to have the knowledge of oh, that's why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, it was like finding a missing puzzle piece. I always thought there was something wrong with me and it really wasn't about what was wrong with me. It was what happened to me and how did I, um, cope and adapt along the way to get to be who I was. It was, it's really all about your brain wanting to, to keep you safe. And yeah. that was just how I adapted. So you can adapt again. 
Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's the good news. I think so too. Like our body has all kinds of healing capacities. Our brain has healing capacities too. Um, it may take a little bit, like no quick fix, but uh, so what is, um, you talked about resilience. So resilience means that you probably have um, a higher level of stress that you're able to handle because you are more aware of how you, uh, maybe also how you, when you need to um, take a step back or recover a little bit or something. Um, yeah. And I think when you add, so the concept of energy management in stress, managing our energy instead of managing stress is a little different way to look at that. Yeah. And when I think of managing my energy and the ups and downs of life, resilience helps you to smooth out the highs and the lows and keep you more on an even keel. Mm -hmm. So when you have skills and you know what to do with like how to process your clutter, how to work through how to moderate your stress, you're better, it, you, it widens your window of tolerance. Yeah. And so the brain actually um, has a part of it that's our, our fear center, our amygdala. And when we're in that flight, fight, freeze, stress reaction all the time, it sort of gets a hair trigger. So it takes less and less to set it off. Whereas when yeah. you're more resilient, it takes more to push that button yeah. than it does to always be in that state of, of reactivity. Yeah, I can totally see that. It's like when we're training a muscle. No, I often say with decluttering, it's too, it's like you're training your decluttering muscle. And so that's why it's important that you're actually uh, are also kind to yourself and not expect too much from yourself and building this up. So I could totally see how this works. Now, I want to quickly uh, go into a different direction too, because like for our brain, uh, sleep is very important. No, and it's probably uh, so. What I heard once, and and I'm no expert, but it's also it's like how our brain declutters all the stuff that comes in during the day. It declutters and it reorganizes and puts certain things away for into memory, and others got, got gets um, thrown out <clears throat> and stuff. So, but. I know that when you're really stressed, it's hard to sleep because it's just going nuts up here. So do you have anything to say about stress and not sleeping and how this is related? So what happens is the body is it, your nervous system is just in overdrive from all those stress chemicals. And that's what keeps you in that state of not being able to, to relax. So, um, some people find exercise to be helpful. Some people find having a doing meditation. I'm a heart math trainer. That's my favorite. Mm -hmm. And that's just breathing a certain way through your heart space to help your body get to that neutral. Mm -hmm. So yes, winding down before sleep, hugely important. Yeah. And typically the first place that I start working with people, because that's one of the reasons they come. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. I'm so burned out because I can't sleep. Well, sleep is just the symptom. Yeah. <laughs> There's usually more behind it. But, you know, if we start too big, I probably like when you start decluttering too, yeah. you have to start with one thing. Yeah. And when you get better sleep, you can be more present and it's yeah. super helpful. Yeah, I have a lot of clients who also have problems with sleeping. But then also when you look at their bedroom, that's usually the dumping ground for everything that like, it's so funny, you know, like the living room and, and the public public places in their home where other people see it, they look usually really nice. And then the bedroom becomes the dumping ground. And then they're surprised that they can't really sleep. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Um, I mean, 
it's not everything, but it of course helps if you have a calm environment and then you get your body uh, to calm down calm, as well. Cool, relax. Yeah. Yes. Yes to all of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge topic and it's, um, it's, it's very, I feel like a lot of people are very overwhelmed. And like you said, we have to start small, but they see just the big problem and then they don't start small because they're way too overwhelmed. And I find this a lot with clutter too. Like we're so overwhelmed. We come to the point where we're just like a, a deer in the headlights and we don't move at all. Yeah. I think it's more important to pick one thing to start working on and develop one good habit yeah. than it is for you to throw everything out and start trying to manage your entire life of stressors. Yeah. You know, even if it's just, if sleep is how it's showing up, just getting to bed at the same time every night and having a wind down process, yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, if, if it's neck tension, then how are you going to unwind at the end of the day? And that doesn't mean grabbing three glasses of wine so that you can, because <laughs> that causes other problems. And that's typically what happens. Yeah. Um, we choose other coping techniques or mechanisms that are not as healthy. Yeah. 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 Which, which then create even more, uh, problems and increase the stress and, um, it's a vicious cycle. Yeah. So, um, where could people find you? So if they're now like, we're intrigued with what you were talking about and, and where could they find you? What is the best place to start when they want to? So um, you can go to my website. It's very easy to remember less stress in life.com. <laughs> and if you want to, you can get in touch with me there, but or my email is the same Deb at less stress in life.com. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Yeah. Um, and the website takes you through, like I always start folks with a stress assessment to figure out where they're at, because mm -hmm. it's like finding a needle in a haystack and yeah. you get some data. Uh, it's like the lab work before you go see the physician. Mm -hmm. um, then we'll have some place to start talking about and then we can make a plan. Yeah, I love that. So very simple, no stress around finding your website, lessstressinlife.com. <laughs> awesome. So do you have any last words of wisdom or is it anything that I didn't ask that you would like to get off your chest? <laughs> No, because if we start, we'll have another whole uh, thread to unravel. So I think for today, we're complete. Yeah, we may we may do that another time. So then I, I stop with one quick question you say to live from the heart. So just say in one sentence, what does that mean to you? So living from the heart comes from the heart math tradition. Mm -hmm. So all of the breath work starts with the heart, because mm -hmm. the heart sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. So if you can change the heart feeling, you can influence the stress chemicals. Oh, I'm so glad I asked that. Okay, so if you want to hear more about this, go check out Deb's website, lessstressinlife.com. Thanks very much, Deb, for being on my podcast. This was an awesome conversation. Thanks for having me. Okay, my friends, that was my conversation with Deb Timmerman. If you want to find out more about Deb and how she helps people with stress, you find all the links to the things we were talking about in the show notes and the show notes you find at conigraph.com forward slash podcast forward slash 68. That is conigraph, C-O-N-N-Y-G-R-A-F dot com forward slash podcast forward slash 68. Thank you so much for joining me on the episode today and listening all the way to the end. If you found value in it, what Deb and I were talking about, please share it with your family and friends. 
Have a beautiful and amazing week and please, please, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next time. Take good care and peace.